welcome to the All Things Nintendo podcast. I'm Brian Shea from Game Informer, and this is a weekly podcast to discuss all the biggest news and games from the world of Nintendo. After a long stint on the road, I am back, and we have a fun one for you today. While I was out in Los Angeles, I was able to sit down with not only the directors of the Super Mario Brothers movie, but some of the cast as well. So I will be putting those interviews in this episode in full. The cast interviews, as they typically are, are super short, but I got a full half hour with the two directors. So we're going to start with the, the quick interviews with the actors, then move on to the directors, and then we will wrap up this episode with an extended review of the Super Mario Brothers movie, as well as a discussion about what it was like to attend the premiere of the movie and interview Shigeru Miyamoto and Koji Kondo, which I also did while I was out in Los Angeles. Joining me for that later in the show will be friend of the show, Krista Yang. But before that, let's throw to the first interview, which features Chris Pratt and Charlie Day. I am joined by Chris Pratt and Charlie Day, who play Mario and Luigi in the new Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, I guess first, right off the bat, let's get a quick one out of the way. Do you guys have a favorite Nintendo game of all time? Ooh, God, that's wow. good. I mean, if you put in a little up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA select, select star, star, and you start playing Contra, you are that's going true. to have a good time. Golly. I mean, I... Spy Hunter was good. Yeah. Mock Rider was good. Okay. I think my favorite was probably The Legend of Zelda, the original Legend of yeah, Zelda. Yeah, same, man. I one. loved Zelda. I spent I a lot crazy. of time on Zelda. And then Super Mario Brothers, of Well, course. Super Mario Brothers, yeah. I mean, Super that's Mario the Brothers. given. You got to say that. I go to a of place course. and they have an old school Super, uh, like a Nintendo, and they have Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, I'm, I'm playing. I'm playing. And I'll get to like level like 5-2 before I even get done. Same. I'm a little rusty. So both of you stepping into these roles that, uh, you know, they're just such iconic characters. I would say that Mario and Luigi are probably about as recognizable as Mickey Mouse these days. So how do you kind of step into that role without having like this, the weight of expectation and the weight of like just all of the, the history of these characters? How do you go about like approaching these characters? Uh, well, first of all, uh, a little trust in the filmmaking team that you're yep. with. Uh, that, you know, Illumination makes such great movies. Uh, trust in Nintendo that, you know, their involvement in this is that they're going to create a product that they're going to be happy with and yeah. feels respectful of the the franchise they've developed. Right. And then some blissful ignorance in terms of, like, just <laughs> Tons of that. the massive fan base. And, and then <laughs> you're done recording and you realize, oh, my gosh, this thing's going to be giant. Uh, and that little mixture of, of three things, I think, worked out nicely. Yeah, and it's nice to be part of the collaborative team that is responsible for being mindful and careful about these characters that people do care so much about. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you want you want to get it right. You're glad. You, you, for me, I wouldn't want them to screw it up. And the best way for me to make sure they don't screw it up is to is to jump in and be part of it. And then just commitment, right? Like I yeah. think both of us, anytime we take a job, it matters as much to me that I feel good about what I do that yeah. that uh, someone else out there feels good about what they do. So if I I'm holding my performance up to my own uh, standard, then hopefully it's up to someone else's as well. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, both of these characters have had a, kind of a singular voice over the past basically three decades. So how do you go about kind of creating a voice for these characters that makes it your own? 
Well, it's really, it's really, it all just comes down to story. You know, this is really a story, this is a storytelling medium. Video games, they tell a story in a way, and you're allowed to be these characters, and they are the avatars to allow you to go on these quests, and that's what it's been for 30 years. But here, we're really crafting a story. And so the script and the story is going to tell us a lot of who these characters need to be. What, what makes Mario Mario? What makes Luigi Luigi? How are they separate? How are they... Um, What's their relationship like? Yeah, What's their relationship with like, the, their parents? What's their relationship with their family? Right. What are the circumstances of their life that are calling them on this quest? And you, you, once you know all those things, it kind of makes it easy. Yeah, you approach it from emotion, which is slightly different from, hey, what's the funniest way to, you know, say it to me? Instead, you're you're saying, wait, why am I saying this to my brother? What do I care about? Right. How, what am I feeling in this moment? And then, and then you start from that place and then yeah. you build out. And it sounds crazy, but it's like you take away all the fantasy, the jokes, the animation, the music. What you need to have is a good drama. You yeah. need to have a good emotional through line and an art for the that. characters. And then you add all the other stuff on it, the sentiment, the nostalgia, all the music, the great characters, the Easter eggs. And then you pop in a catchphrase and you got yourself a And you hit. got yourself a hit yeah. movie. <laughs> Chris, Charlie, thank you so much for your time and best thank of luck you. launching this movie. Hey, thanks thank a lot. You, we'll see you later. You. I am now joined by Seth Rogen, who plays Donkey Kong in the brand new Super Mario Brothers movie. Seth, uh, we want to talk about your role here a little bit, but first, do you have a favorite Nintendo game of all time? Uh, it's probably Mario. The Mario sixty four game was probably the one that I uh, and Mario Kart, Super Mario Kart, probably Super Mario Kart. Yeah. So you must have loved having like such an emphasis on Mario Kart in this movie. I really was psyched about that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So what initially attracted you to this role? Uh, honestly, it was like the cast overall was exciting. The idea that um, they were actually like putting a lot of talent and resources towards making a big, cool Super Mario Brothers movie was exciting to me. I grew up with Mario Brothers. I was like, hugely into video games when I was young. Um, and and yeah, and, and, and I keep saying, you know, seeing that as an 11 year old seeing that first Mario Brothers movie was truly a disappointing experience to me. And so anything I can do to provide modern children with a good Mario Brothers movie, uh, I will do. I remember seeing that movie in theaters and it was actually the first movie I remember leaving and like being like, I don't think I liked that. Yeah. So I'm right I, there I with feel you. The same. I think it was the movie that showed me movies could be bad. And I didn't, I, <laughs> which didn't even occur to me before that. Exactly. Um, so DK has such a larger than life presence in this film, uh, but were there particular parts of his personality that you really wanted to play to when you came into this role? Um, honestly, mostly that, like, that he's kind of like has a, is like a villain to Mario, like in the games, like they have a very adversarial <laughs> relationship. And so to me, that was a funny place to start. And this idea that he hates Mario and doesn't want to be with Mario. And he kind of feels like he's been kind of stuck with Mario throughout the course of the movie to me was, you know, a, a potentially funny dynamic. It's a big, it's a big swing to decide that your joke is you hate the star of the movie. But I thought maybe I could, I, I, I hoped I could make it work. <laughs> you know, unlike Mario and Luigi, who've had this kind of defined singular voice over the course of, you know, about three decades now, Donkey Kong's voice has kind of changed and it's kind of been like just this like not defined thing over the course of his existence. So how did you go about finding the voice that you wanted to use for Donkey Kong? 
I only do one voice and it's my voice. So it was not a hard process. It was, uh, <laughs> Be yourself. It's always good advice, right? <laughs> <laughs> so did you ever get to hear the entire DK rap? Oh yeah, of course. So, I, I'm you... the one who I'm the one who pushed to have the DK rap in the movie. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, big time. <laughs> so, in addition to being a Mario sixty four fan, I'm guessing you were a Donkey Kong sixty four fan, or did you just know about the DK rap because of just being around it? Uh, as a rap fan and video game fan, I, I, I of course knew about the DK rap, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I knew about I knew all about that. Yeah. <laughs> So outside it's of not a good rap song, I'll be honest. It's lyrically <laughs> not fantastic, but it's not no. But it, you can't help but watch it. It's like a car crash, right? It was a different era in hip hop, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you have a favorite moment in the script outside of the DK rap? <laughs> the whole Rainbow Road sequence I thought was very cool. That's something as a kid I always was always one of my favorite parts of any of the games and. Um, yeah, and Donkey and the introduction, Donkey Kong, that whole introduction fight is very cool, I think. And a really, again, it's like a great manifestation of, I think, what fans hope this movie will have, you know? Of course. And, you know, stepping into the role of such an iconic character and something like, you know, you, you being a Nintendo fan growing up, like, what is that like just kind of being like, I'm stepping into this character that's like one of the godfathers of video games? It's cool. There's like a novelty to it that's very fun. And I think it is one of those things that like young, you know, like, uh, you know, 12 year old me would think it was pretty cool, you know? Um, yeah. Of all the things 12 year old me would be really uh, disappointed by, <laughs> this is not one of them. <laughs> you told me about your uh, favorite Nintendo game of all time. What was kind of your first experience with Nintendo and like kind of what made you fall in love with like the games that this company produces? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I had like a, a Commodore, which had, you know, before the Nintendo Entertainment System, they made Donkey Kong and things like that were on uh, a Commodore. And yeah, I mean, they were, it's funny, because even looking back, like they were the first games that really had like characters that stood out, you know, um, there was lots of driving games where you'd move a car along a road or little spaceship games where you'd fly a spaceship around and shoot people. But Donkey Kong was the only one that had like Mario and, and Luigi and Donkey Kong and the princess. Like it, it, it felt a little bit more cinematic and kind of a bit more, it clearly like worked because like people really grasped onto it even in that very early form, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, I'm assuming you have seen the finished product by now. Is this the movie that you think 11-year-old you would have left the theater thinking that was the movie I wanted? Oh, he would have been so much happier. He wouldn't, have, yeah, he, he would have, it would have really changed the whole, it's like a sliding door scenario. It would have changed, my whole life maybe would have been different. I, I would have been a happier, less productive person maybe should, it, were that movie good. <laughs> my so whole career is maybe trying to make up for that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you, did you get to interact at all with uh, like the likes of like Shigeru Miyamoto um, in terms of like any kind of like feedback or anything? No, zero. <laughs> okay, I didn't know how involved he was with the process. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure that like, you know, as somebody who grew up playing Nintendo games, that was kind of cool to hear he was so involved. It was, yeah. I did a little intro video and he like introduced me and it was crazy. And like, it, yeah, it's, yeah, honestly, it's like getting to work with like a filmmaker that you've, you've looked up to your whole life like it's someone who's like created iconic 
things that have really been a part of the culture that created who I am, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, it's cool. And I guess, where would you like to see the character's involvement with the franchise going forward if this does in fact become a franchise? Well, you know, I think, yes, yeah, since, you know, Donkey Kong is where Mario spawned off of. So now that Mario has gained prominence, it only seems right to return to Donkey Kong. <laughs> what I'm saying is Mario should be a sidekick in the Donkey Kong movie, not the other way around. So we're building up the Nintendo Cinematic Universe. Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, I guess, is what what is your primary sales pitch to people who kind of ha still have that, I, I, frankly, at this point, outdated notion that like video game movies suck? Like as somebody who now in 2023 is in a main character in one of the biggest video game movies ever released, yeah. What is your pitch to those people? I'd say show your children The Last of Us and then ask me if they think video game movies suck. <laughs> All right, Seth, thank you so much for your time and best of luck with the movie. Thank you. I am now joined by Aaron Horvath and Michael Jelinek the directors of the brand new Super Mario Brothers movie. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? We're doing great. Yeah, great, thanks. How are you feeling in the lead up to the release of this movie? Oh man, it's, uh, I'm super excited and, and, and anxious. And uh, you know, we, we, this movie is so important to us and we worked really, really hard on it. You know, teams of hundreds of people worked on it and, and we all really love it. And uh, this this uh, sense of anticipation before releasing it to the audience is uh, killing me. I can't wait for everybody to see it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I guess both of you, uh, could you would you mind diving just a little bit into kind of your history with Nintendo? Like how much, uh, I guess, how much of a past do you have with Nintendo and its games? Oh man, I've been um, I've been playing Nintendo games like my entire life, uh, like. Super Mario Brothers absolutely captured my imagination when I was a kid. Like I had never seen anything like it before. You know, I had played video games before that. I'm like an '80s kid, so it's like Asteroids and and and, and like Breakout and like old school games like that. Um, so when I first played Super Mario Brothers, it was it was like a revelation. You know, it was like uh, the graphics were incredible, the movement was incredible. Uh, there was always something like interesting to find, you know, like there was this sense of, uh, of adventure and discovery. Um, and, uh, and I feel like Nintendo has like continued to do that. That's one of the things I like about them so much is they continue to do that, like throughout the years, like with every new Mario installment, there's always like, there's still that sense of like fresh discovery and, and excitement and adventure in, in every Mario game. So, um, yeah, I, I I love Nintendo, and uh, I think this this movie uh, proves it. <laughs> if anybody has any doubts, <laughs> and it's like you never even stepped away from from Nintendo. It's like you know that's the great no. thing. It, it's just like you we we started playing in um, you know when we we're we're eight or nine, and and you know there's been. You know, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron literally never put down the controller for me. I, yeah. you know, I had a little bit more gaps. You know, it's like, oh, I played the original for like probably three, literally three years straight until I could beat that game uh, <laughs> without warping, as I, I like to tell people. And then I came back to it like when Mario Kart became popular. And then I, you know, with my kids, it's like, oh, uh, Mario Party, and uh, you know, so there was, there's all these. It, it wasn't just like one moment in our lives. It's, it, it's, it's like Mario has been a constant present for for both of us. 
Awesome. And so how did this opportunity come across your desks? Uh, it was post the release of our last movie. Um, uh, Michael and I were just kind of taking meetings, you know, around as, as you do. And, uh, and we met the guys from Illumination. Uh, Michael and I were, were also a writing team. That's what we were doing uh, previous to this. So we actually met with the, the, uh, the producers at Illumination. And uh, <laughs> we, we thought they, they were looking for writers. So we just like had this whole lunch with these guys where we were telling them how like we're really good writers and we just love writing all the time. And <laughs> we just write all day and all night, man. Uh, and then at the end of the lunch, they made it really clear that they were looking for directors for the Mario movie. And we were like, oh, that's cool. That's really cool. And then on the drive back, <laughs> we were like, hey, I think we blew that. <laughs> um, but I guess they liked us uh, because they 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 came back and, uh, and, and we got into it. Uh, so it was really like, it was really amazing because like, I, I mean, there's nothing, there's, there's no project that I would have loved to work on more than this. And the feeling that like I blew it was like pretty soul crushing. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think that the, the fact that they came back around and, and, uh, and everything worked out uh, is, is uh, it's pretty incredible. And, and I'm honored to be a part of it. Yeah. And uh, you referenced your, your prior movie. Did you take any lessons from making a movie like Teen Titans go to the movies into making a movie like the Super Mario Brothers movie? That's, that's an interesting question. I mean, our, our experiences, I was, yeah. you know, yeah, they're radically <laughs> like, I, you know, we, we just, we love Teen Titans go. We love that crew. I mean, what was asked of that crew was just like, make a, make a movie and a TV series at the same time. And, uh, I think everybody at that studio was pretty impressed that they were able to to pull that off. And um, it was just limited resources and 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 you know, overworked and and it, but you know, the end product we're both really proud of. And then this experience, I think, was was opposite of that, where it's like you have all the resources all the time that you could you could possibly have. So, um, you know, and it was a completely different way of making a movie, too, you know, just as far as doing something, you know, sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, more simplified animation process versus like this is full CG with 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 all that you know, uh, you know everything that comes comes with that. So um, you know, it was a little bit of certainly for me a, a learning process on this movie as far as like all the things that that you know you have to to take into account. So, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Do we learn anything from from that experience, Aaron? I think so. I mean, I, I think like we had already sort of learned it on the series, but, but having a, a crew that you love and that you trust, uh, yeah. that, that'll be there to have your back, you know, when, when you're, when you're dying, when you're crawling through the desert, you know, <laughs> water, they got a little, little hydro flask for you. Um, uh, cause, cause we came into illumination, you know, not knowing anyone, we were at Warner brothers for, for almost eight or nine years. Um, so it was a big jump for us to, 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 to come to this, this new studio, um, and not to mention the fact that the production studio is actually in Paris. Uh, so it's like, oh man, we're going to have to hang out with like French people. What are they like? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and like everybody was, was incredible. Like they're like the best artists in the world. Uh, and, and they're super welcoming and super collaborative. And, and, uh, yeah, so it's, so, uh, having that, having that, that crew that you can, that you can rely on and that you trust and that everybody's like working toward the same vision, uh, is super important. <laughs> For sure. And, uh, you know, I had kind of a bonding moment with uh, with Seth Rogen when I was talking to him yesterday. Yeah. And we both had this shared experience where we went in 1993 
to go see the Super Mario Brothers movie in theaters. And we both emerged from that being like, oh, I don't think I liked that. Like we were both <laughs> super excited for it. And we both emerged. And that was kind of the first movie that told us that movies could really like not be great. <laughs> so like here we are 30 years later a brand new super mario brothers movie is coming out and i mean full disclosure i'll tell you that i've seen it and it's the movie that i wish would have come out when i was a kid because it's just it's an awesome movie and i was kind of just wondering like what your initial goals were coming into this movie and like i guess what you were hoping to accomplish with making a a movie that that veers a little bit more faithfully to the source material is instead of what we got in 1993. <laughs> I mean, I would say that that experience that you had yeah. was probably the the guiding experience for 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 this movie. Um, that was know, my very yeah. simple goal. Is exactly like exactly what you said. Like I wanted to make the movie that I wanted to see when I was a kid. You know, like if if there were fans like us who were making movies back then, like this is the movie that that they would have made. <laughs> you know. Uh, Sorry, Michael, go ahead. Just, no, 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 but it, it is, it's, it, I mean, it really is like Aaron's, like we would talk about this, Aaron's like disappointment of coming out of that, that, that theater and and not seeing what he was hoping to see. Because, you know, Aaron and I come from, uh, you know, that that Teen Titans Go background and it's it's very sort of, uh, you know, it, 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 irreverent. It, irreverent to the source material, right? Um, and, you know, it, one of the reasons we say we could have done that is because there was a reverent version of of the source material. People already had that out there, and there wasn't that version for for this movie. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, like whenever you know, Aaron's not that emotional of a guy, but I think like it, it was very <laughs> meaningful that, that experience that that he had of of coming out. It's like. Like it was almost like heroic on his part. He's like, kids today will not have that experience. They will. Have <laughs> yeah, yeah. Going to make a change in the world. <laughs> yes. And and so that was really the 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 sort of guiding principle for for a lot of a lot of the choices. Yeah. Like this is the, the, people are going to see something they love uh, the way they they're expecting to see it. Mm -hmm. And it absolutely is very respectful to the source material. And it's just so dense and so jam-packed with references, both visual, audio, everything. Like there's just around every single scene, there's just all this music that you recognize throughout the entire series. I mean, it, it stretches all the way back to Donkey Kong, all the way mm -hmm. up to Bowser's Fury, which it, it was very mm -hmm. surprising to me that you had something that recent in the movie. Like what was the process like of like figuring out what Easter eggs you wanted to add into this film? You know, it's funny. Uh... I, I uh, in many ways, like I don't consider them Easter eggs. Um, I, there's definitely like tons of stuff to find and, and notice and appreciate in, in the movie, but for me, it, it's it's the it's more adaptation than than Easter eggs. Like uh, for me to make this movie uh, in, in the way that I wanted, it was like Nintendo and, and Super Mario had to be the sort of like well that that everything was drawn from, you know. Um, so like, you know, the opening of the movie, there's lots of references to, to Nintendo stuff. And I'd say like, that's the most dense Easter egg area. But once Mario gets off on his adventure into the Mushroom Kingdom, to me, that's more like uh, adapting the, the game world and the visuals that I love from the game world to a cinematic experience, you know? So anytime we were, we were crafting a set or, or scoring something, you know, uh, Brian and Koji Kondo uh, worked really well together uh, uh, crafting a score that was both like original and had the game themes in it. 
um, because I just wanted like this thing to have Mario absolutely in its DNA, like it down to its very bones. Like the core of it is just a very uh, reverential Super Mario experience, you know. So every choice we made was was uh, was based on that. Yeah, and and also you know Mario is such a beloved character and 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 everybody has sort of their own sort of mario experiences we have a crew filled with super fans and and it wasn't necessarily like mm -hmm. oh, we're going to assemble a crew of super fans it's just this is the world that we live in today everybody was like especially in, in our line of work a lot of these people are impacted by by you know uh video games and and um you know in, in particular super mario brothers that uh you know, like Aaron said, from from the composer, the composer was one of the reasons we went with Brian is is like he was such a hardcore fan. But but that that's true for for, you know, the animators, the designers, the mm -hmm. store artists, um, you know, everybody, even even like my my favorite Easter egg, I won't give it away, is is something that, um, you know, we did the sound at Skywalker Sound and and one of one of the guys on the team put a uh, a sound easter egg into the movie and it's just mm -hmm. like that that's the the level of love and it was based on like his yeah. personal experience yeah. like his own personal experience and love for for the uh nintendo franchise you know like in, informed his creative decision so yeah like, like everybody everybody got in on it yeah so i mean i asked chris and charlie this when i was talking to them with um you know kind of taking the reins of these beloved characters uh, you know, I'd say Mario, Luigi, and his entire crew are about as recognizable as characters like Mickey Mouse are, right? Like they're they're just so yeah. synonymous with pop culture at this point. What is kind of the the feeling of stepping into a, a leadership role in a, a film featuring this IP? Um, you know, I, I think our goal was just to protect Mario and 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 Luigi and, and the whole world, like our, you know, like. Uh, like and, and shield it from any sort of like oh man what if we you know what if we gave mario like uh you know like a top hat or something i don't know like <laughs> what, if made him, what if we made him really cool or, or something it's you know I, I think we just wanted to just like protect like the the uh the the core like integrity of the character and and, and like michael was saying like that you know we we hadn't we hadn't seen a, a reverential mario movie before uh so we just like wanted to recreate that but then like uh you know it really got into like the, the details at a certain point man uh where it was like the the stitching on mario's hat uh like we got so deep down into the weeds on a lot of this stuff that uh um i don't know it was it was uh it was an overwhelming experience i guess i'll say uh overall yeah i, I would say you know, I, I I think we've also felt like a big responsibility to Nintendo and, and you know, and one, first of all, Nintendo was there side by side. Um, I don't think they would have allowed us to to, to ruin it if, if we tried. Um, yeah. I, I, we didn't try, fortunately. Um, but, you know, they, you know, they had their first movie. And and then after that experience, I think they, they held on to the character and it was like, maybe maybe this uh, it's they've been a little you know uh, obviously you know uh, careful about putting putting these characters out in a cinematic universe and i think uh we we just wanted to reward that trust and 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 show them it's like okay you know just because we know if, if we, we we screw this up uh you know there's there's so many other great characters out there who may never get the movie treatment if uh this this went sideways but uh, i think you know everybody like i said everybody love loves loves the characters and it almost seems like we're in kind of like 
almost the first golden age of video game adaptations when it comes to either movies or TVs. You know, The Last of Us just came out hugely successful. Mm -hmm. The Sonic movies have been crushing at the box office. I think this movie is going to be just do gangbusters at the box office. Why do you think it is that all these adaptations are suddenly hitting at the quality that they are? I mean, I think it's because like fans of this stuff are finally old enough to be in these like yeah. key leadership positions on these projects to be like, it's got to be like this, <laughs> you know, like uh, it, A, because I love it and B, if we don't do it, like people will hate it. <laughs> They'll be mad at us if we if we change or, or, or adapt things uh, in, in a way that that is 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 not authentic or or. It's just like, oh, I thought it would be rad if Mario lived uh, in like a cyberpunk world <laughs> or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, and, and the technology too. Like, like the the cool thing about the Mario movie is like this movie couldn't have been made in, in the eighties. Like, it would have had to have been live action, like they made, or or like a hand drawn feature, you know. So, like, the the cool thing about the look of this movie to me is that like it, it's it's all like the state of the art rendering technology uh at, at illumination like crafting this this familiar world so it's like it feels fresh and new and like uh, tactile like you can feel it and be there but um it's also like it's a world that you've kind of like been in a lot in, in over over the course of you know many years playing these games um so yeah personnel personnel and technology i think are colliding at the perfect time yeah, I, I think maybe in the past it was also like maybe uh, a cynical approach to adapting people making this stuff that that understood it was popular, but maybe didn't understand why it was popular. Um, mm -hmm. And the people who are making it now, it's like, yeah, they had these they had emotional experience. So uh, I think uh, it, it's coming from a less cynical place. It's not it's not coming from it's like, oh, this stuff is popular. Let's let's see if we can make a big movie. It's like this stuff is meaningful to us let's 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 make a movie that that sort of matches that that meaningfulness so mm -hmm. and I, I mean it shows in almost every single scene that you know you guys know the source material and that you know nintendo's involvement is just so evident throughout like what was it like working hand in hand with them on this project uh, nintendo was great i mean like the partnership between illumination and nintendo uh is is really incredible like i was really worried at first that we were going to be trapped between these two giant like forces and like we would just be crushed into paste and we probably were a little bit but it was like it was a crush of like love like a bear hug you know it's it's <laughs> like very comforting in a way um uh and and so they were like an incredible partner to us uh uh because of the amount of like trust that they had in in uh in the filmmakers of this project um and, and some of the risks that we were willing to take sometimes with with characters or ideas uh but then also like um just helping us whenever we needed some like really like specific uh, uh research on something or or if if we were like you know adapting one of the character uh the character designs for the movie like they would have like really like uh, uh insightful uh feedback for us where they they could break down the exact you know design philosophy for like Bowser's muzzle like it's kind of based on a tiger we found out you know like Miyamoto himself actually like drew on an iPad over one of our designs that we were presenting presenting to him and it wasn't like it wasn't exactly accurate it was really close but he's like oh you're missing this area here and here and he like drew on his iPad to explain to us and this was all over Zoom because it was COVID so he actually drew on his iPad and then held it up <laughs> to the screen like this and explained to us. Uh, so it, it was really cool. It's very collaborative. And, and uh, 
I, I had a I had a great time. It was a it was a dream experience, to be honest. And do you have any other like fun anecdotes of your interactions with uh, with Shigeru Miyamoto? Oh man, uh, fun anecdotes. I mean, yeah, it was um, it was t like I said, it was tough because it was it was all Zoom based. So uh, you know, we we didn't we didn't get to I don't know have that kind of like in person uh, in in person kind of back and forth. I think like we we may have if uh, you know we didn't we didn't have to deal with that. Um, pandemic uh michael am i am i blanking on something that uh you know it was interesting to hear him talk also about you know how he approached designing video games and, oh and yeah this was something that came up uh yeah 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 you know some of that like it's all experiential based for him which is very similar to how like chris melodondry you know who runs illumination makes his movies very experiential like you know they they would they would come up first with with a sort of gameplay experience and, and what was a satisfying gameplay experience and then you know create a story around that um and it was like oh that 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 you know you know in in, in storytelling you're always like oh do character story first but I, I think there's a lesson in there it's just it's like what what how does the audience or or yeah the audience basically or the player experience the the content and how important just the experience of of whether it's movies or video game is first and foremost um because that almost transcends whatever the story is um so that that was interesting and i was also you know i thought it was he was he was always so like just so cool in all these these meetings because again these these are his 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 babies and you know he's he's entrusted uh us to 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 you know execute a movie but i never like he never for a second he he was always open and 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 generous with his his ideas and not protective never saying ah you can't do that and sometimes like he was he was the most like willing to 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 depart from you know uh yeah from from things that that feel like oh this is this you can't you can't do something different but he he always mm -hmm. had an open mind about you know approaching this for for a cinematic experience so i, I thought that was 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 cool because again you know it's like he is he's the father of video games and and it's just but you know you you see why it's just a lot of confidence uh in in his approach so yeah it's awesome that you got to kind of get that insight directly from the guy that's awesome yeah, yeah. Um, you know, thinking about like Teen Titans go to the movies, you know, there's some very irreverent stuff, as you had mentioned earlier, uh, particularly a scene with Martha Wayne. Was there anything <laughs> that <laughs> that you kind of tried to sneak into this movie that they were like, ah, maybe that's a little bit too dark or a little bit too irreverent? <laughs> no, uh, you know, to be honest, like I really like Michael was saying, like, this is the absolute opposite approach that we took on Teen Titans. I I can't remember a moment where I was like, I really want to make fun of Mario here or, or, or whatever the way I'd want to like make fun of Robin, you know, in, 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 in Teen Titans. Um, I really oh. just, uh, you know, like we wanted the characters to be fun and, and, uh, you know, we have some, we do have some surprising moments in the movie. I think like, you know, Bowser, I think, uh, is, is a really great character. And, and I think his adaptation in the movie is, is, uh, is what you expect, and then also not what you expect too, in, in some places. So, um, but no, I don't. I don't think um, unless I'm blanking on something, I don't think there was anything that uh, that we wanted to do that the Nintendo was like, "Man, what are you thinking? <laughs> don't do that." No, but 
it also wasn't necessarily the tone for for this movie. I mean, I love movies, obviously, um, but I think it was a deliberate choice not to make this a uh, um, meta, so that that you know, mm-hmm. you know, first and foremost, we want the audience to um, believe that this is a world that they want to be in. So uh, you know, and and that this is a adventure with with stakes and 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 you know things on the line, and you know, so I think if we had done because our, our Teen Titans Go approach really is about comedy first and just like, like you know, what's the most absurd sort of funny or or, or satire, you know, what are, what are we trying to say? Um, and, and this really was about like, you know, taking our cues from from uh, Chris Melodondri and Miyamoto-san, like experiential, like what is the experiential uh, cinematic version of these characters that we played as kids? And what was the casting process like uh, when you were kind of landing on this all-star cast of voice actors? Let me just say, this is my favorite thing. Because when I was in film school, people would write scripts, right? And <laughs> and, and then they'd sit around and, and they'd go, you know, I don't think Brad Pitt would be uh, be, be, be good for this. Or I don't think, you know, whoever was the huge star of the day. And it's like, and I'm like, Brad Pitt's never going to be in your movie, guy. <laughs> He's never going to be in your movie. It's like... <laughs> You'd be lucky if Brad Pitt's in your movie. And and then, you know, coming to a movie with with like the, you know, the uh the prestige of of Illumination and Nintendo and these characters, it's like suddenly like every single like name is is on the board that that you know it wasn't ridiculous so I wasn't back in film school it's like I could I could literally say, what about Chris Pratt or Jack Black? You know, um, like the most talented people in entertainment today. And and so that that for me, it was like kind of like a surreal experience that and that that they would say yes too. It's like, oh, I can say Chris Pratt and Jack Black, and they're gonna say, yeah, let's 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 do it. So um that that was I think one of the, the the coolest things about this movie is just like, you know, whatever talent that we wanted to uh look at, you know, they they would actually, you know, take a step back and consider because the, these are such great characters. Um, but uh I don't know, I don't know. I'm probably being too specific to my film school experience. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, I think that's the perfect encapsulation of it. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, it was uh, you know we just we 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 looked at you know like the scale of this movie. Uh, we wanted we wanted the the casting to to reflect that. You know, it's like a really it's a really big swing. It's like a really big event. It's like you know forty years in the making essentially. Uh, so we just wanted it to be like this kind of really big, like celebratory, huge movie. Um, and so uh, so that was part of it. And then, you know, and then we just looked at like who who we thought would like embody these characters really well, you know, like Jack Black as Bowser was actually a little bit of like an outside choice because like he's he's kind of like a sweet guy in, in a lot of, you know, movies and stuff that you see him in. Um, but he also like with Tenacious D has this like metal side to him, which like we associate with Bowser. So we could get that performance out of him. But when he needs to be sweet or funny, like he could still really pull that off. And it's sometimes even better because he's got this like really a uh, uh, villainous performance. Um, so like we just really looked at everybody, uh, uh, you know, like their uh, what they're what they're great at, uh, you know, what, what we know them from. And and uh, we started just making our decisions kind of based on that. And um, I don't know, I, I, I couldn't be happier. It's it's a wild cast. I mean, when that announcement came out. I mean, everybody's kind of hair blew back like what? <laughs> is happening. <laughs> uh, and, you know, they're all very talented actors and voice actors, obviously, and they all deliver terrific performances. Was there anyone in particular that really surprised you with like how they approached the role or 
kind of like their how how much they really went for it? I mean, every every everybody was a everybody is a superstar on this movie. It's 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 hard to pick. I mean, like, I mean, but Jack is just like one hundred and twenty percent in the role. I mean, like, uh, uh, Chris Pratt is just like puts so much of his heart into this movie. You know, like I really feel like he he had a he had a big burden to shoulder with this movie. You know, I, I think he's and I and I I think he's going to change a lot of people's minds if he if he hasn't already. I think his performance is like really genuine and and heroic and and uh i i love him in this movie uh, charlie was hilarious like just the most like energetic guy like that but that to me was like kind of probably our, our our most like kind of pitch perfect casting just this kind of really like high energy anxious guy and he, he translated like kind of perfectly to luigi um uh anya i i think was great as peach like the movie adaptation she has to be you know more like we know her from like uh, uh super mario brothers 2 or like 3d world where she's part of the party and not only that like she's you know got this whole kingdom to to protect with these toads who are just kind of precious and, and a little helpless um so like she managed to i think find that balance between like being a, a, a tough like ruler who would have to stand up to bowser but also like finding moments to be really cute and and sweet as well um I really liked uh, uh, everybody on the cast, to be honest. I can go on, but. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both so much. Uh, Aaron, Michael, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I, I honestly can't wait to see the movie again. And uh, best of luck with the, uh, the opening weekend coming up here. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. We are back, and I hope you enjoyed those conversations with the members of the Super Mario Brothers movie cast. I wanted to wrap up this week, this this, this episode that is basically a Super Mario Brothers movie extravaganza, by giving a full review of the movie itself. So joining me to do that is a very special guest who you've heard on this show before from the Kit and Krista podcast. It's Krista Yang. Krista, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I love to talk movie with anyone, but mostly I'd love to talk about it with you. So excited to be here. Well, I appreciate that. And I'm so happy you were able to come back. I know it was kind of short notice hitting you up like, hey, come talk the Mario movie with me. But I know you have seen it multiple times. I have now seen it three times. Whoa, (laughs) I've seen it twice. So you got one up on me. But uh, yeah, I think we both have uh, pretty solid takes now on this movie. Yes, I think we know how like where we stand on this film by now. Um, (laughs) But before we get into that, you and I ran into each other last Saturday night. We, you, you expressed the sentiment on your podcast as well, where it was like, "All right, we have this screener that you'd like, we'd like you to attend." And I'm like, "Okay, I've already seen the movie. Like, do I really need to go to this screener?" And then I was later, you know, I was in LA for nine days, so I did not bring proper premiere attire. But then they, fabulous. Come on now. <laughs> thank you. I, I cobbled together some stuff and. <laughs> they eventually were like, oh yeah, by the way, this is the premiere and all the cast is going to be there and Shigeru Miyamoto and Koji Kondo and, you know, Chris Melodandri, they're all going to be there. And I'm like, well, crap. I wish I knew that before (laughs) I was on the ground in LA. I could have brought like a suit or something fancy or I know Kit, your your, your podcast co-host was attempting to buy like a really awesome blazer to rock at the premiere. Didn't come through. Didn't come through. Yeah. That was interesting. It was the the communication was very interesting with 
what that event was going to be. And um, I think all of us kind of had the same, you know, delightful surprise that it was days before it was like, oh, this is the world premiere for this movie. And as I was like walking through the airport, getting onto the plane is when I had the thought hit me like, oh, Mr. Miyamoto is going to be at this thing, isn't he? <laughs> like all these <laughs> Nintendo people are going to be at this premiere. Oh, shoot. That could be interesting. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, we were there. It was it was glitzy and fabulous. And I think we all had a great time, we, despite of the outfit problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, there's a red carpet here. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. And <laughs> they did not let us linger by that thing no, at all. Like, I walked Get inside. They're like, go, keep going, keep walking, keep walking. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. I want to take a picture. Uh, but did you have any celebrity encounters at the premiere aside from any of the cast that may have walked by? Yeah, I, I actually um, had my celebrity encounters at the after party. Okay. Um, so we, the, the, it was kind of a two two parter uh, that night. We had the premiere, which really truly felt kind of like I don't know if you felt this too, but it felt like a little mini family reunion, honestly, because mm. it was like weirdly in the same spot where usually e3 is days after like not even like 48 hours after the official cancellation of e3 and then all of a sudden we were there with all of our game industry family <laughs> and it, it felt kind of nice like to hang out we were hanging out in the lobby and everyone was hugging and chatting and getting excited for this movie and then afterwards we were at the after party and that's where everybody was sort of like co-mingling and catching these great moments with Jack Black and Mr. Miyamoto taking goofy photos together. And I know that the other cast members were there as well. So it was a fun time. Like it definitely felt like everybody was in a very celebratory uh, mood. Yeah. And like the people from Nintendo and I guess like Nintendo adjacent companies, I know that they had a couple of PR agencies that were working with them as well. Sure. They were, it was basically, it felt like a victory lap for them. Like we got this thing to the finish line. And that was my uh, first yeah. time actually meeting Doug Bowser. I ran oh, into really? him at the lobby um, of the, the theater before they let us into the theater. Oh, wow. And it was great to chat with him. Yeah, I, like, I've, I've met Reggie a couple of times. I've yeah. met Shigeru Miyamoto a couple of times now. And it's yeah. like, it was great to finally like kind of, you know, round out the uh, the, the, the Nintendo, Nintendo figureheads. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so wild that you've never. Uh, this is the first time meeting Doug. They do keep kind of keep Doug like locked up tight over there at Nintendo for some <laughs> reason, um, for reasons. But uh, yeah, it, it was. I also um, was reunited with with Doug, and it was sort of like the um, the first time I had seen Doug after leaving Nintendo. So. You know, not sure if it was that was going to be like awkward or not, but Doug is like so sweet and so wonderful. We we totally hugged it out, and it was <laughs> it was great to see him. Yeah, and he's a great guy. From the the short conversation that I had with him, really he, is. Uh, he had some really interesting insight about like what the like the focus was early on for this this movie, and like yeah. something that, that the team was really focused on was like, all right, we need to make sure that it's natural when Mario, who does not typically speak full sentences speaks full sentences and yeah. uh, you know he was talking about how Mr. Miyamoto was extremely cognizant of that going into this and you know yeah. I think they they found a, a good balance with that which we I will talk so about too. more yeah yeah for sure uh, so premiere experience uh my celebrity encounter was I was seated directly behind a Backstreet Boy <gasps> which one uh AJ 
Oh man, that's awesome! And it's I'm, one of those... 90, I'm a '90s child, so I'm a little jealous. I love yeah. the Backstreet Boys. Hey, I am as well. So, like, you know, I, I grew up with like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and Me everything. Me too. So, oh, I love that. It's a great one. Yeah, he was there with what I imagine were her kid, were his kids, and oh, so um, cute. You know, I think on your podcast you said this as well, where we were sitting in that theater for quite a while before yeah. the, the the show actually started. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was doing his best to entertain his kids, which I guess if you're going to have somebody entertain you, you could ha- you could do a lot worse than like the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. If your dad was a Backstreet Boy, like I feel like you're entertained. You guys were in the Varsity Theater. We were Kit and I were joking around like we were in the JV Theater for sure because you guys were in the Varsity Theater and you were you, you were there to see sort of Mr. Miyamoto's open, right? Yes. So uh, cool. it started yeah. off. Uh, with Shigeru Miyamoto and Chris Melodondri, who is the CEO of Illumination, yeah, the studio yeah. that made this movie. And they gave kind of like an intro, mostly uh, Shigeru Miyamoto talking yeah. in, to, to the crowd. And, you know, he came out. It was very funny, like kind of like in English, like, thank you all for coming tonight. Aww, I'm very sweet. excited. And then he goes, now I'm going to speak in Japanese. He always does that. <laughs> he always starts every single one with a little bit of English. You know, he actually does more English than you think. Mm-hmm. Um, he just, I think, is more comfortable when he, he's expressing himself with a huge crowd like that to, to do it in Japanese. Um, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, totally. But yeah, he's, <laughs> I mean, I could tell just seeing him at the premiere and then having a little uh, reunion with him later at the after party as well. He was, the man was on cloud nine and he absolutely deserved to be because what a amazing accomplishment, you know, that was. So. Yeah, for sure. And then they, after he gave his little intro, they started bringing the cast out one by one, at least in my theater. I don't know if that you got that in your theater. Sure didn't. (laughs) Oh no. So yeah, like all the cast, like I was kind of seated like by the entrance. So like the cast was just like walking right past me. You're like, like ah, you touch someone. I was like, hi, Steph. Reach, hi, reach Jack. Out. Hi, Chris. Hey, Anya. What's up? It was, it was very cool to see them up close. And, you know, yeah. I got a, uh, got a good view of all of them as they walked past. Very and then fun. They brought them all out one by one. They kind of did like the, the Little League baseball team pose where like there was the back line of people. And then they're like, we need to squish closer. So like. Chris Pratt and Anya came in like the front. Yeah, they did like the one the, knee. I was gonna say you got to do the sorority squat. That's what you got to do. Oh, right? okay. I did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We got we did get opening remarks from Chris in um in our theater. So he did come out, and I think our theater was really full of people that from Universal Illumination that worked on the movie because they just I felt like they were so joyful watching it, and as joyful as any Nintendo fan because they. I think they worked on the movie. And mm-hmm. when the credits were rolling, they were all cheering for each other. It was so oh, sweet sense. and wonderful. And just like when they, they saw their coworkers' names, I think they were like excited for each other. So it was really cute. <laughs> that's great. And that's interesting that they would put the people who worked in the movie in what you're referring to as the JV theater. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's not a Backstreet Boy in sight there. So oh, that's why. Well, <laughs> you could have had a Backstreet Boy in yours as well. They needed to like have equal distribution of the Backstreet Boys. That's true. There's many of them. So they could have spread them out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That's I don't know funny. how many of them were actually at the premiere. I that's think it true. might have just been AJ, unfortunately. <laughs> That would have been awesome if we got like a full-on Backstreet Boys reunion. Oh, man. I would have fangirled out a little bit for that, I got to tell you. <laughs> it's funny because it was one of those situations where I didn't know who this guy was sitting directly in front of me. However, people kept coming up and taking selfies with him. Oh, so you're like, he's got to be somebody. I was like, it's somebody. <laughs> and then like I, I was talking to 
somebody that does PR for Nintendo currently. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's this guy that was like in front of me. He was wearing like this sweater. Like, do you know who this was? He's like, oh, that was the Backstreet Boy. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And I looked it up and I was like, it was the Backstreet Boy. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. So, yeah. So the after party, we we did the premiere. That was super fun. And then it was like, we got to go kind of cross town, which is not an easy task in Los Angeles. Not an easy task in Los Angeles. And we get to this event space where it looks like a school cafeteria from the outside. Mm-hmm. Like there's a very well lit area. And I'm like, this is the not the vibe. Party? Yeah, <laughs> then- not the vibe. But it was cool. They had like all those um, really cool props outside, like right yeah. outside. They had a big, you know, the plumber van, which everyone was taking photos of that massive question block. Oh, my God. It was huge. Huge. I was I was we were filming Kit and I were filming for the vlog that's on our channel now. And I was kind of like doing a fun, funny little comparison, like how big is the question block compared to me? And of course, that was the moment that Mr. Miyamoto found us and waved us over. And I was like, how embarrassing. Like I was like <laughs> mincing around this question block. And yeah, he was like, oh, hi, Kit and Krista. And he's like, come over here. And we, we walked over and had a, a, a nice conversation with him. And it was really nice to just be able to tell him, you know, congrats, congratulations and tell him how much we love the movie in person. Cause I, you know, you leave a company, you work with a guy for, you know, over 10 plus years and you never know when you're going to see him again. So it was kind of, it was a nice, it was a nice moment for sure. Yeah. And that, that actually warmed my heart to hear you tell that story on your podcast. I was oh, very happy that you, you got to see him and interact with him. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. seeing him at like both the premiere and the after party because I'm so used to like E3 where they keep him so locked away. I know, right? And like I there was like I was standing at the after party at like the place that I was kind of posted up. There was like at any point I could just look over and it's like oh there's Shigeru Miyamoto and Koji Kondo just kind of hanging out and yeah. it was like so yeah. surreal because like any glimpses you usually get of him unless you're interviewing him at E3 is like he's walking past and he's surrounded by like a million a, security guards and exactly. yeah it's like an overshield of security guards around yeah him. it's so true he was so casual at the event usually i mean he's very personable you know when, when we, we kit and i will work with him and we had plenty of meetings with him um where it was very we call it dinner with with the guy and it was very you know casual but yeah when he's in a big public space like that it is really rare to see him kind of like loosen up you know or just kind of be chill and and that's kind of what what i saw too like he was just having i mean he must have been just so happy um he was just having the time of his life he was enjoying the party he was enjoying people asking him for for photos and hanging out with the cast and he he just seemed like he was he was really happy and it made me happy to see that and I am shocked he lasted as long as he did at that party because from what I understand he arrived about 24 hours prior from Japan yeah I mean they're they're good at this now you know like they they used to do this all the time where they would get there and we would have a meeting with them like two hours after they they land oh and it's God. like you good like do you want a nap or a shower or something like it's okay you know if you need a minute but they would always be like no we're ready to go let's let's do oh it let's go they, let's go to- I don't know I how they no do idea. that because I went to Japan last October and I was an absolute zombie for like two days. <laughs> Maybe flying first class helps. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure it does. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so that that was the after party and it was elaborate. Like you walk in, there was oh, kind man, of like yeah. a field with like mushrooms and like chairs and like 
question blocks and Peach's castle straight center with like snacks and drinks and everything. Mm -hmm. Mario Kart where you can take those cool photos. Yeah. And that weird cupcake thing where you push the button. That was so cool. And the cupcake kit was so weirded out by that. He like stared at this cupcake like, why is it a cupcake? And I was <laughs> like, what do you mean? Just eat it. <laughs> it's a mushroom. It was it's cute. Perfect. I ate the mushroom cupcake. It was, it was good. delicious. It was very, a- very good. Like a red velvet. It was mm. sweet. Very sweet. And then, of course, bars all over the place. Bars. Themed drinks. I have the drinks, uh, the list here. Yeah, it was like um, the one that I had was the first one, the Smash something. Final Smash. I want to say Final Smash. There was the Final Smash. I know yeah. that. Sorry, I, I took a billion pictures, as you might imagine. Okay, so I the know, Final same, Smash. Same here. The Smoke and Fire and the Kai Piranha Plant, which was basically a mojito. Yeah, yeah. The Smoke uh, and Fire was like a whiskey kind of base thing, well, right? Is that, the smoke was and that? fire was tequila. Oh, so tequila. It was like a, oh, like it, a mezcal. It was like a yeah. It was a. It was like a uh, spicy margarita. The Ooh. final smash Ooh. was like a vodka peach grapefruit. Yeah, that's that's what I had. That was good. And then the Kai Piranha Planter Sipe. I don't know how you pronounce it. Uh, that was basically a mojito. Yeah, so it was pretty yummy drinks. Pretty yummy. I love the DJ booth too. That was like yes. the flaming Bowser. That was but so cool. That was very cool. I I thought that was amazing. The party really impressed me because I, I didn't know what to expect. I thought it was going to be sort of more casual, but it was like totally decked out with so many cool like themed areas and it was, it was so much fun. It was like just amazing to see it. That was where I had my next two celebrity encounters where I I always have celebrity encounters either entering or exiting the men's room I found. Oh my. <laughs> like at E3 one year, like I just totally ran into Kojima. In the men's in the, room. In the men's room. Everyone <laughs> yeah. has to pee, so, you know, exactly. hey. Exactly. <laughs> and then this time it was Jack Black. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I ran into him too. Yeah. Well. Yeah, he, yeah, he was everywhere at he that party. He was. He was, like, into it, though. Like, And, you know, you can really tell he's just been into it. Like, he just – he likes this. He wants mm-hmm. to do this. He wants to do the voice. He wants to be there. His suit was so cool. Did you see yeah, his suit? Yeah, the Bowser shell on the, the back. Bowser shell on the back with the flames <laughs> on the arms. I loved it. He was, it he was, was awesome. into it. Yeah. And then Charlie Day was there for seemingly a less amount of time, but he was there yeah, kind of mingling was, a little bit as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw uh, some photos with um, people that they took photos with the cast members. So they were, they seemed to be like, they, they were okay with, you know, being around the normies, yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, it was interesting because like, you know, there's probably what, fewer than 200 people that got to go to this after party, like yeah. two, two or 300 maybe at the it most. Was not very many people. I mean, it was not even that crowded in there, so... Yeah. And did you find the secret photo op? The one with the field of fire flowers? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I did, but I didn't stand in line for it because the line was pretty long. But um... I got, I got lucky because two people I knew, we were actually looking for these people. Uh, One person who works for Sega and one person who works for IGN. Oh, cool. We were looking for like, where'd they go? We wanted to say goodbye to them because we were about to leave. And then we saw them and we're like, oh, what's this over here? And we, we saw the Fireflower thing. And we noticed that they were the ones going into the booth as- so you crashed their photo op? So yeah, we crashed their photo op Absolutely, totally. yeah. yeah. That's the way yeah. to do it. I was like, I'm not standing in that line. I also that found was this cool. This, they had was, like mirrors all around. So it looks like you were in a field of Fireflower. It, it yeah. was neat. It was very clever. Yeah. It was a very cool room. It's very red. I have, I'm looking at my picture right now. It's uh, yeah. kind of it's a little devilish. But, it's you know. very, very red. It looks like a, <laughs> almost like a Snapchat or Instagram filter where it, like, it does. Makes you look like the devil. Yeah. Yeah. I um, ran into Doug at the party as well. And we chatted a little bit more. And yeah, it just seemed like everyone was in a good mood. And I was really happy for them. You know, they, 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 they really did a thing, you know? So good for them. <laughs> yeah. So it was a very celebratory tone and rightfully so. Um, yeah. 
But th- before we get into our spoiler-free thoughts here, we touched on this a little bit, but the next morning, I spent my Sunday morning with Shigeru Miyamoto and Koji Kondo, yeah. which uh, I had an, a, I had a 45-minute long interview with them, which is the first time I've actually sat down and conducted the interview that's with either awesome. of them. My first time meeting Koji Kondo overall, but it's my oh, second wow. time yeah, he's great. meeting Shigeru Miyamoto. And it was just awesome to sit down with like these, you know, two bona fide Legend. legends. Like literally legends, yeah. The guy who made the Mario song and the guy who I know. made Mario. Mario. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Sometimes when you yeah, wrap your head around it a little bit and then when you do, you're like, oh shoot, this is like a big deal. <laughs> yeah. So and it's it's always interesting because it feels like, you know, I've done a million interviews over the course of my life, but it always feels like such an event when you're going to meet with either Shigeru Miyamoto or Eiji Aonuma, uh, Takashi Tezuka, like Mm -hmm. the Nintendo luminaries always feel like they're like, okay, are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, let's go. And it's like, you're kind of like in a, like a a formation as you go to it almost. It's, it's it's interesting the way it works because like they're all, it's always an entourage as well, Mm -hmm. especially with, uh, with Shigeru Miyamoto and Koji Kondo. It's like, there's like, eight people in the they room roll deep they roll roll deep <laughs> my yeah. uh, my pr guy that was like kind of getting me ready for it was like uh, just so you know you're gonna walk into this room and there's gonna be a lot of people in there yeah yeah <laughs> just don't they, want you to be caught off guard they, they like that they like to just have a spartan formation around the man so <laughs> yeah and you know they're the d- most delightful people Oh, like, yeah. Shigeru Miyamoto, I always describe to people when they ask, like, oh, what's he like in real life? It's like, from my interactions, he is the exact guy you would want to have created Mario. Like, he's just he's a the, He's the exact person that could... He's, like, the only person who could have created Mario because of what he's like in real life. You know what I mean? Like, he... My, you know, interactions with him have always been just sort of awestruck with his sense of curiosity of about life and the joy that he always has about the things around him and just the sense of like being a child at heart and never losing that spirit and it's it's quite inspirational you know when you're working with him and and sometimes you have to talk about not so fun things or mm. you got to do things that are very like business oriented and he still kind of keeps that sense of who he is um all the time it's like yeah this is like not in a million years are we going to ever get someone like him. Like this is a one of a kind, you know, oh, person. 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting because the way I've always described him is kind of like the Walt Disney of video games. Mm-hmm. But yeah. really, he's like the Walt Disney, the Steven Spielberg, the I mean, who else could you really like throw into that mix? The James yeah. Cameron? Like, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. It's just exactly. like all of these all in one because he just has such a long and illustrious track record and he's still mm-hmm. working in creative roles. Like yeah. last week we had a, uh, I did a Wind Waker retrospective because it was coming off the 20 year anniversary and like yeah. talking about his interactions with uh, A.G. Numa on that game. Right. It's like, yeah, even though that was 20 years ago, he was still working. Was super involved, yeah. 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 And he, you know, he has the creative fellow over there. Yeah. And the, the cool thing about, you know, his career now is that like, you can truly tell that he is doing his passion projects, you know, like he's, he's like, yeah, I'm only going to do stuff that I actually care about. And it is stuff like the movie, stuff like the theme park, you know, like he's always been really interested in these other creative fields that are outside of video games. And so I, I get the sense that he's just living his best days right now and just stretching 
still stretching himself creatively and and he's super just like passionate about the stuff that he's doing and to do that at like 70 you know in your 70s like wow that's like like really inspirational like what what do you think you're gonna be doing in your 70s you know God, probably <laughs> still working because i don't think i'm ever gonna retire <laughs> yeah maybe i'll be on a cruise ship or something but i mean he's like doing doing some some big Big boy hits, you know, and in he his really 70s, is. it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It, he's he's also the Mick Jagger of the video game industry, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Going un, until he can't no more, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's just wild. It's funny because you mentioned like all those things. And I was asking him kind of like, you know, what is it like being at Nintendo in this era? Because like, it seems like Nintendo is on fire in a way that like it never has been before. Like the Switch is still selling super well. Uh, Super Nintendo World just opened its second location. Uh, the Legos are selling really, really well. And by the way, when I met, when he heard me mention Legos, he let out a little like, like joyful laugh, like, oh yeah, <laughs> Legos. And uh, and you know, the movie just hit theater, so it's like I asked him like, what is it like to be, and what what was the what changed to like bring on this era? And he pretty much was like, yeah, we stopped thinking of like you have to make good games to like get people to like you like we just thought of started thinking like we want to deliver experiences that only nintendo can deliver and people stopped thinking about nintendo as like a game studio and of course i'm very heavily paraphrasing here they stopped thinking of us as like game makers and started thinking of us as like an entertainment brand that is such like a concept that was championed by mr awada mm. you know from it, it's it's a concept that was championed and talked about so long ago like 10 plus years ago when I first started, you know, at Nintendo and we were like deep in the Awada era and just learning about his vision for Nintendo and, and like thinking about it, not as a gaming company, but as an entertainment company. But I think this is the first time this year when we see all of these examples that you just brought up, whether it's Super Nintendo World or the movie or the, the merch, you know, the, the brand partnerships with Legos or other merch, it's like truly now that vision from 10 plus years ago has really like come to fruition. That's how long it took, you know, to like get there. But now, now that you're there, it's really exciting and cool for Nintendo, but it does come with like a slew of other challenges that they're going to have to face as a company that that's going to be interesting to see how they kind of navigate through. So yeah, cool, exciting, interesting time. And um, I think, you know, we were we were talking about how this is a, a really amazing time to be a Nintendo fan. But yeah, it's, it's it's very interesting as well. I mean, I can't remember a better time to be a Nintendo fan aside from maybe like the 90s when like the Super NES was like <laughs> tearing everything up and like you're yeah. getting excited for the Ultra 64. Like that seemed like maybe the maybe the the, the pinnacle of Nintendo excitement yeah. but also I was like we said a 90s kid so like that was like the prime age for like getting into gaming and yeah everything. yeah exactly yeah I'm I'm just excited to see where they're gonna take it I think again I think that they're they have some headwinds and, and challenges that things that they've never had to consider and deal with before they're gonna have to face some of those things soon um especially as we think about like what's happening with the next console and and all that mm. jazz next year um what does that look like how are they going to balance all of their resources with all these huge you know mammoth properties in entertainment like how are they structured to do this like that that's some business stuff that is that gets hard but you know what it's not our problem we get to enjoy <laughs> it we get to hang out and 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 watch and that's good by the way, uh, as somebody who worked at Nintendo for many years, 
my my thought on why the Switch has been such a success is that like they finally unified all the developers under one platform instead of having to split time between like the Wii U and the 3DS or the Wii and the DS. Mm-hmm. Like, do you see that as a valuable thing as I do? Yeah, I do think that the Switch, and I've heard this from developers before, it's like they, they kind of tout the Switch as like one of the easiest systems to develop for and the range of what you can develop on Switch is like pretty broad. Like you can do smaller indie titles. You can do these AAA titles. Like the the range, the spectrum is pretty big. Um, I think, yes, not splitting your resources and just having the ability to do something that's more like handheld leaning to something that's more like console leaning is, you know, a um, advantage to Switch. But yeah, I think, you know, there's, tons of other stuff that makes the switch like attractive and, and successful. Um, so yeah, that's another thing. It's like, it's, it's pretty good right now. You know, yes, it's don't amazing. Ro- don't that- rock the boat with your next thing. <laughs> oh my God. I really hope it's just like switch two. <laughs> I know. Right. Like don't get cute. Nintendo. Like don't, <laughs> they like we're, to get cute sometimes though. You know, we're bringing back the game pad. Here comes the Labo. <laughs> Here comes a cardboard switch too. Yeah. You don't want to get, you don't want to gimmicky with it, which they have a a propensity for sometimes, but uh, they really do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's amazing that we have a console that has, Pokemon and Fire Emblem, but also all the new Zelda and Mario yeah. and Mario Kart games and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, and new all, Mario these, Kart all these great um, retro games too. Like you got Game Boy Advance stuff on there oh, now. Yeah. And it's like, don't, don't mess with it. Just, when that just, next system comes, just bring that all over. Like don't, don't going. be cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that we're in an era where it's like backwards compatibility is like almost a necessity. It's like at a this standard. Point. It's a standard practice now. Like, but, you know, you never know. Nintendo's not very good with backwards compatibility. So. Yeah. Or nor are they, like, good at, like, following industry trends because they or, love marching yeah. to the beat of their own drum. They do. They, they they have some moments where they're, like, you tell them a thing and they're, like, why is that important? And you're, like, oh, okay. We got to start <laughs> from square one here, huh? Okay. Got it. <laughs> but uh, you can find the rest of my Shigeru Miyamoto and Koji Kondo interview. I asked them questions like, what has their collaboration been like, like, evolving oh, over the last amazing. 38 years? Uh, I asked them, yeah. like, are there any other franchises you could see coming to the silver screen? I mean, obviously, I did not get a direct answer there, but I got some hints. Did you like seed Zelda? Like, did you kind of like mind meld <laughs> with with them and be like Zelda? I wanted to so bad. If I had time, I totally would have been like, I don't know. Zelda seems like a pretty good one. I did yeah. end on a joke, though, because like they were very cautious of like, you know, we're only talking about the Super Mario Brothers movie. Please don't ask about any other like games yeah. or like initiatives or anything like that. And then when, when I was told like, all right, your time is up, I said, all right, now I have about time for about fifty more Zelda questions. If you if you have like a moment, and they all laughed, and I was like, all right, yeah, let's and go. And then you were shepherded out of the room. Yeah, I was like, I got <laughs> the were... oh, Brian, <laughs> kicked out, <laughs> and stay out. Have <laughs> <laughs> to try. I mean, hey. Um, so let's transition to our thoughts on this movie. I we're going to start off with the spoiler-free thoughts. So if you're still on the fence or still waiting for your ticket time to to come up, you're safe. You are safe yes. for the time being. But we will transition at one point to spoiler-filled thoughts, but not yet, not yet. So Krista, I think you and I are on the same page that we both had a great time with this movie, but. Mm-hmm. What are your overall spoiler-free thoughts on this film? Yeah, I I had a great time with this movie. I think that it had such just this element of joy. Like if you grew up 
with these characters, if you grew up playing, you know, Mario games and, and being, you know, immersed in, in the, in the Mushroom Kingdom through, through these games, all these years, what a fabulous thing to see sort of transformed into a movie and, and what a cool way to see some of your most favorite characters, you know, in this, in this way. And yeah, I just, I left, um, the theater both times with just the sense of joy. Like this is like your childhood dream come true, you know, on, on, on the screen. Like who would have thought that we would get something like this when you were a kid playing your NES, like who would have thought that this would be the future for this character. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was just so happy to, to see it, you know, come to life in this way. Absolutely. And I, I think that people who listen to this episode from start to finish, they heard my conversation with Seth Rogen and he had a we, we had a moment where like, you know, we were talking about like, why did you want to do this? And he's like, oh, they're putting in all these resources. And I wanted to be a part of the movie that 11 year old me when I saw the 1993 film, wish he would have seen coming out of it. And I asked him, like, oh, is this is this the movie you wish you would have seen? He said, Oh yeah, absolutely. And mm -hmm. I have to agree with him a hundred percent. Like this was the film that I, when I went to that 1993 super Mario brothers movie <laughs> that, and like came out so disappointed, this right. is what I wish I would have seen. Like something that's, you know, it, it, it's respectful of the source material. It actually yeah. feels like I'm watching something that is influenced by the game, not just mm -hmm. something that is referential right, well, that, to the game yeah. that's mario in name that's luigi in name but sure. and that's i guess that's yoshi but like you know this <laughs> this is just a, a joyful experience it's something that has it's chock full of references like yeah don't go into this thinking you're not going to get some mario references because boy howdy do they throw some mario references at oh, you oh man some deep cuts there's so many little things to discover. Even when I watched it this, the second time, I was noticing more things. And that was mm -hmm. so like, such like a game thing, you know, for you to find, keep like replaying a level and finding these little secrets everywhere. That's so true to how Nintendo makes games. Um, that's another thing that I really loved about the movie is that it just felt like very true to a video game. Like there are moments in there where you know, platforming is, you know, a, a huge spotlight. Um, and it just made it feel like, yeah, this makes sense in this universe. This makes sense for it to be a game that was that's now transformed into a movie, you know? For sure. And I think the big thing that a lot of people were worried about coming into this was the voice acting. You know, people were uh, rebelling in the streets that Chris Pratt could voice Mario. <laughs> and I will be honest, like I was unsure of it at first when they, they first announced it. I thought that uh, just thinking purely before seeing the movie, when they announced it, I was like, oh, Jack Black as Bowser makes perfect sense. Totally. Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong makes perfect sense. The other ones I was a little like, what? Uh, yeah. But I came out of this so impressed by every single voice actor. Yeah, I I was definitely worried about about Chris Pratt. I was very concerned that that was going to just kind of break the movie for for me. And I think you know we Kit and I were talking about this on our podcast as well. Is like the best thing that Chris Pratt did for this movie was to be as like inoffensive and as bland as possible. Like he just was very like even keel. He did the voice. He didn't try to get all zany and crazy and weird. He just did it in a way where it was not a distraction. 
and you are free to concentrate on like the character building they do for Mario and Mario's story throughout the movie instead of being like distracted by some like zany voice that Chris Pratt is trying to do. So um, I think in that respect, it was like a huge sigh of relief. And I agree with you. I think the other voices, my favorite is Bowser for sure. Oh, yeah. Like, and also, but also Princess Peach, like Anya was amazing as Princess Peach. And I never seen her in a role that was so playful. Like she's always like very serious in her movies. So it's kind of nice to see a very like playful side of her for Princess Peach. By the way, did you see her at the premiere at all? I saw I saw her at the after party, but I didn't see oh, her. I didn't at see the, her at the after party. Yeah, I saw her for like a, a split second. She was there. She looked very cute in her like Mario Kart outfit. Yeah, she rocked a, a, a Peach Mario Kart outfit, she which did? was yeah. incredible. That's cool. Yeah. So she, I think that she had the second best outfit of all the premiere attendees, I right so behind too. Jack Black. Jack Black. Yeah. 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 I agree. <laughs> um, so, any other spoiler-free thoughts before we transition over to kind of spoiling this movie and kind of breaking some stuff down for the people who have seen it or who want to be spoiled? Let's get spoiling. All right. So, we're going to take a couple seconds here to give those people a chance to get their pause button if they don't want to get spoiled, and we will be right back with spoilers. All right, so now we are going to give a full spoiler warning right here. We're going to be breaking down some of our favorite moments of the Super Mario Brothers movie. So if that is not what you were looking for, then now is your chance to turn it off. But Krista, let's start with some of our favorite references. Because this movie, as I said before, chock full of references. So many nods to Mario, to the, the universe that surrounds Mario. So what were some of your favorite references? Yeah, the Easter eggs were like in full effect in this movie. It was coming at you so fast. It was hard to like, as soon as you notice one, another one would pop up. But just like right in the beginning of the movie, there was several just really cool references, like the punch out pizza. You know, you got Charles Martinet voicing the guy that's playing like Jumpman on an arcade machine. And then I think my favorite sort of in the in the front half of the movie was when Mario is playing NES. He's playing Kid Icarus on the mm -hmm. NES. And um, in his room, you can see like all sorts of other cute little Nintendo references as well. So, yeah, it, I mean, it, there's just so many like visual Easter eggs in the movie that I, I really loved. Yeah. And it really got me thinking. It almost broke my brain when he was playing at the NES in his room because it was like, <laughs> What does the NES even exist? Like, how does it exist without Mario? I know it did exist, like, without Mario for a stretch, but, like, what does that even look like in yeah. modern-day Brooklyn when he's playing NES and there's no Mario mm -hmm. game? Yeah, I know. that. that you can't think too hard about that kind of stuff because I will break your brain because <laughs> yeah, I, I also had a thought, and I was like, no, don't try to put the pieces together because it's going to be confusing. But, yeah, I, I wonder why they, like – picked that game like why kid icarus like why those things like I, I just i wonder what kind of was driving that um but yeah super interesting to see like that's a that's an interesting visual of mario playing an nes you know yeah. so it's very very cool and i loved speaking of like those kind of references before he even goes to the mushroom kingdom to like nintendo's past the wrecking crew reference was spike yes like, that was great that it's like, oh, yeah, you left Wrecking Crew to become a plumber because yeah. of, you know, Mario being in Wrecking Crew or Jumpman or whatever his name was at that point. Right, right, right. That's, that's such a smart reference. And then, so cute. of course, the GameCube ringtone. 
Oh, with Luigi's phone. <laughs> yes. Yeah, when his mommy calls. Yeah, I love that. I was like, oh, that's perfect. I can make that my ringtone. That's a good one. It's so reminiscent of a ringtone. I never really put it together in my head, but I'm like, yeah. that really does. Because like at, at first it like didn't even register with me. I'm like, why does that sound familiar? And then like the second time it played, I'm like, oh, it's the GameCube it's tone. It's the GameCube tone. Yeah, you're like, I know this song. Like I know this tone. Yes. I love the um, I love the fancy house they go into as well. To fi- like their first sort of plumbing job is to fix the, the leak in the fancy house. Mm-hmm. If you look around that house, it's like, so many cool Nintendo references, but done in like a super classy way. So they had like a, a very like MoMA modern art looking statue of a Pikmin in that house. They have like all this artwork, but it's all like Nintendo references, but like modern art style. Um, like I would like my house to look like that, honestly. So can they just decorate my house like that? It would be great. So it's what pretty. we all aspire to be as right? adult gamers. We want to have game art, but we want it to like be fancy, it right? Be classy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So that that's that was a, an amazing scene. I love that the the plumbing scene where they're they're trying to fix the plumbing, the dog's losing the its dog's mind at them. Losing his mind. That dog looks like that dog from Up. Does it Okay. I thought it was yeah. Secret Life of Pets that it looked like. Oh, I guess you're right. Because yeah, that was also a, Illumination. That's an Illumination movie, isn't it? I never saw. I that's, never seen that movie. I didn't either, but I think I've seen that dog okay. or something like that dog in. That dog is very aggressive. <laughs> oh, absolutely! Yeah, it's I like mean, a monster dog. Isn't that like what he was trying to do though? Was break his bone? Like you know, dogs. I don't know. Again, one of those things you shouldn't think too hard because it is a family <laughs> movie. <laughs> they needed the loosest reason for this dog to be mad at the Mario Brothers. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I also love that Pauline. Is seemingly yes, the mayor of Brooklyn. Yes, she is Brooklyn. the mayor. Yeah. That was interesting to me. Yeah, cause... I guess that new donk reference has always been like a New York City comp. So that made that that made sense to me that she would be cameoed as the the mayor here in the movie as well, which is great. Did they ever actually refer to it as New York, or was it just Brooklyn and Queens that they referenced? They say Brooklyn and Queens. I don't think they ever say New York. So uh, it could be New Donk City. New Donk City's Brooklyn. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it, yeah, you're right. It could it could be. <laughs> also, one thing that I loved was every time they brought up a world map, it looked like Super Mario World. Yes. That yes. was incredible. I that was so cool. I love that. It was so much fun to see like those visuals just like taken straight, like basically copy-pasted straight from the games. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, once you like sort of get into the mushroom kingdom. There's just so many things where you're like, oh, yeah, I guess that's that would be how that would work. Like the way that they collect coins, you know, the little toads are running around collecting coins. And then they have that antique shop and all the antiques are like old game things, like an old NES cartridge and an old um, some old like items from past games. Like, yeah, that that I guess that would be how it would work, you know, in a, in this universe. Yeah, I mean, there was and there were some very heavy-handed references, like the oh, you just it'll work. You just got a blow in it. Yeah, yeah. Like that was like okay, we're getting a little like a little <laughs> ham-fisted there, but yeah. overall, like I don't think the references were like disruptive of anything. No. Like there, yeah. I've seen some video game movies where it's like they stop everything, they slam on the brakes to make sure they hit you over the head with a reference. <laughs> like, did one you of catch those, that? Did you get it? <laughs> I don't know if you saw the Uncharted movie, but there was one scene not. that. I don't want to spoil it, but there's a scene where they just stop everything for like a miniature scene that lasts like 10 seconds. And it's just like a nod to like, hey, fans of the Uncharted video games, you'll know what this is, but we're not going to explain it. 
So yeah, and, and even like Tom Holland was like, "What?" Like he, he even like <laughs> on, in the, on the screen, he looked like, "Why are we doing this?" <laughs> oh gosh, that sounds sounds really awkward. Yeah, I didn't get that sense here. Not super awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, like slam on the brakes to do a reference, but yeah, I, I thought that they they definitely came at you fast. I, I I see that a lot of people are saying like, "Oh my gosh, the pacing of this movie is a little frantic." It is. Um, but uh, I think it does keep kind of keep it moving, and you get that sense of like this is like an action you know, an action game, action movie. Like it, it feels like it's moving the, the plot along at a very quick pace. It's breezy. Um, it's easy to watch. It's, it's not something it's not that, that long. Gonna, yeah. It's like 90 minutes, 92 yeah. minutes. I think that includes right. the credits. <laughs> right. Right. No, it's good actually. Cause you don't want to drag it out, you know? Yeah. Especially when yeah. you've seen it three times in the course of like 10 days, like I have. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Wow. Um, and then I, I liked the baby Mario and baby Luigi throwback. Oh, I like that too. I loved, you know, one of the things that I really love about this movie is that you get a deeper sense of these characters' relationships, not even, not just like their own personal story, but their relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's something you never really think about. You play Mario games, you're like, oh yeah, Mario and Luigi are brothers, great. Um, but then in this movie, you get a real sense of like what that brother relationship is like. They're not just brothers, they're like best friends. They grew up, you know, really close. Mario grew up defending Luigi, which was like that really great baby Mario, baby Luigi scene that you're referring to. Um, and it really motivates their characters throughout the movie and it makes it believable because yeah, if your brother is in danger, you're going to like, you're not going to stop at anything to, to save him, to help him, you know, and they, they make it really clear through those like moments where you get to reflect on their relationship, which I thought was really heartwarming and sweet. Oh, definitely. And I, I guess that leads into kind of like our favorite moments and like kind of story-based moments and mm-hmm. action moments. I really liked the way that they kind of flipped the script a little bit. Like Luigi was the one that Mario was trying to rescue. It wasn't uh, Peach. Right. And But yet Peach was still being kidnapped and being forced to marry Bowser mm-hmm. without kind of giving in to the damsel in distress trope. It was more of just like, okay, she's doing this to try to prevent harm coming to her toads. Like she's doing yeah. it as a a strong leader, not like a, oh my God, I'm so helpless. Like, please come yeah. rescue me, Mario. Yeah. Yeah. I was really glad to see a, a, you know, a real kind of rewrite of Peach's character because in the games, she's pretty bland. You don't know very much about her. I mean, there's some games where she has a little bit more personality and more agency, but for the most part, you know, she's been in that damsel in distress role for a pretty long time. And I got a little concerned, I got to tell you, when they had like the forced marriage stuff. I was like, Oh, where are they, where, where are they going with this? Let's, let's not have another like weird, you know, damsel in distress moment. But no, it was great that she sort of had a plan for all of the things that she was doing in that, in that, um, arc. Uh, but yeah, I think her character was one of the ones I was kind of worried about because, you know, she's just been stuck in this role for so long that it, I was curious of how they would um, reshape that in the movie. And I thought they did a really good job. And it was cool to see Peach sort of as Mario's like equal partner. And even in, in some cases, like kind of better than he is, you know, that training scene is great where she just like kicks butt all the way through and, and he struggles, you know, <laughs> to like get through the course. And it, it's kind of cool to see um, that side of her. 
And, you know, those that leads directly into another, like, I guess, trio of sequences that I love. I love all the platforming scenes. Like, and that should be a no brainer for a Mario movie, but like, it could have been really easy to not nail that. So there's the one in the beginning where they're trying to get to their job. Mm -hmm. The the one where they're playing No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, There's the training sequence. And then there's the one with Mario and Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong, Kong. yeah. Those were all so much fun and so well executed and so well framed. Yeah, I, I thought it was great that they did a platforming scene before he goes to the Mushroom Kingdom. That was a great way to like set your brain, your, like sort of like get your brain in the mood for like a movie based on a video game. Like it's such mm-hmm. a clever way to do that. And then, yeah, of course, the training scene is like iconic because there's just so many funny moments in that scene, you know, like him trying to like eat mushrooms that he very much dislikes. <laughs> That's actually really cute too, how they put that in. Like he actually hates mushrooms. Yes. Um, <laughs> and he's trying to eat it. And I love that, that part where he like eats it eats so many, like throws it up. And then like, he, he like, loses, loses the power, the power up. <laughs> That's one of the funniest moments in the movie. And it's great. It's such a, like, of course that would happen if you eat like 45 mushrooms in one sitting, you would probably puke, you know? Especially mushrooms the size of your head. I know. And she's just like shoving it into his mouth. Like, <laughs> she's like, down the hatch. And I so love that, like, the, the demonstration when he first had the, his, his initial mushroom was like, oh, you're strong too. And he jumps up and breaks the brick. And it's like, yeah. oh, he couldn't do that when he was little. It's just such and like that's a- true. Like, then I, my mind was like, oh, yeah, he couldn't do that when he, that, that makes sense. The yeah. strength, not just height. Okay, like I, I like was need to like wrap my head around some of these concepts, you know? Yeah, and it was so cool to to see that sequence and like all set to uh, holding out for a hero or, mm-hmm. or by bon- Bonnie Tyler, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it synced so well with like the the training montage. I mean, it's, a, it's an all time great montage. A, song. You need a training montage in this game. Or, I'm sorry, in this movie, and it was perfect <laughs> that they put it in into this like sort of you know, almost like a true Mario level. Did this not make you want Mario the movie, the game that I've been talking about for like years now? I mean, I even asked uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, how will the the movies, because like the games obviously influence the movies. How will the movies influence the games going forward? Yeah. And he was like, that's something we're going to have to reckon with because we've always had like movies that influence mm-hmm. the games, like not Mario movies, not not right. Nintendo movies, but like, you know, we'll watch movies in the 80s and they're like, oh, we should like have something well, like listen, that in our game. Yeah, exactly. And now he's like, well, yeah, well, there's probably going to be a point where the Mario movies or the Nintendo movies are going to influence the Nintendo games. And that's something we're going to have to figure out as we go. Just give us Mario the movie, the game. Like, I've literally. been waiting for Lego Mario, like a oh, collaboration Lego with, because there's so many Lego games that are all that's licensed. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm like shocked that. we haven't gotten that given like how in-depth the collaboration mm-hmm. is with Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. That's something that I've been waiting for an announcement. Like every single E3 or Summer Games like, Fest, I'm like, come on. Yeah. But I'm shocked we haven't gotten that yet. So yeah. some of the fight sequences were actually really good. We mentioned the wedding scene. I really enjoyed seeing Peach, like just yeah. fending off all the wedding guests. Cause you know, they're all bad guys. They're all yeah. people that Bowser. Like King Babam is there. Oh my and God. She, and King oh, Boo. King Boo is there. Yeah. I love that. They're all I, Bowser's minions um, at the wedding. Yeah. But I love the, um, how she, she hides the power up in her bouquet. God, that was so smart. So cute. And it made, totally made sense. Like that, that's of course, that's why she, you know, agree to this in the first place. And that's right? why you remember Toad was the one who gave her yeah. the bouquet. And he's like, I got it. And she's like, oh, good. You, she's you, like, oh, it's perfect. You came through, you know, and I mm. love I love that scene as well. You see sort of, sort of these really unique power-ups, not just 
a regular old mushroom, like, but like, you know, like the, the ice flower, the, the tanuki suit, um, uh, even some of the stuff. I like, I like that fight scene with uh, Mario and Donkey Kong. Oh, it's that great. Was great. Yeah. Although I was a little bit like shocked that they had, had him scratch him in the face so hard that it drew like blood a little bit. Like little it was bit, like, yeah. red, right? Not like It's like a red gushing. scratch mark. Yeah. They're not like gushing, but like, I was like, oh my gosh. He's like, it's like kind of violent. He's like drawing blood. Well, that was something that like I was very shocked about because you'll remember that like you may have heard of this company, Nintendo. They don't really do like this person died. They don't do like. No. There were so many references to like. I'm going to kill your brother. Yeah. Was the line in the movie. Yeah. Like, we'll see how strong you are when I kill your brother. It's like, oh my God. And like there were several times of like Mm -hmm. dying. Yeah, they they used to when I when Kit and I were at Nintendo and we were you know filming videos like Nintendo Minute stuff like we were not allowed to say the word die. Oh wow! We had to say like lost and a then life. We lost or... A, or not even I don't think we can even say lost a life. I think we had to say like oh we um you know Got some KO'd. some yeah some like gamey way of getting out of it. But yeah, we could not say like die death um, any of that. That's so. so. It's yeah, because crazy. They, yeah, they went a little dark with some of the stuff. Like again, mm-hmm. I want that to be like what Bowser says because, like, that makes sense for that like, character. One of the coolest scenes that Bowser had was when he's melting that ice castle that the penguins were in. Yeah, like I was like, oh man, okay, this Bowser's he's really powerful. Yeah, and, and like, you're also evil. <laughs> yes, and he is just melting this entire kingdom because he wants the superstar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was really great. Um, and I love that there were references from everything straight, like all the way back to before Super Mario Brothers. We mentioned like Donkey Kong. We mentioned mm-hmm. Punch-Out and Wrecking yeah. Crew. But also as recent as Bowser's Fury with the the music that was playing yeah. in at like the, the Bowser party after he got the superstar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the the rock, the rock anthem that yeah. was like, yeah. The Fury yeah. Bowser song with the yes. theme when he comes out. Yes, that was yeah. so cool. And... Like Jack Black perfectly cast as we thought prior to the movie, oh, but seeing it, it's like, oh yeah, he so went good. for it. I would say that he went for it and Keegan Michael Key as Toad really, really went for it. Like <laughs> they gave really? their all. Oh I mean, man, it, I, I might disagree with you a little bit on the Toad. Really? I, I, I was a little confused by that character, actually. I was like, is he supposed to be like Chef Toad or or um Captain Toad like what is the comp here and then key um and the voice acting I thought that I mean I don't want like an annoying to- toad voice for 90 minutes obviously but like it needs to be a little bit more annoying you know <laughs> to make it believable I don't know I mean it was it was annoying enough I thought it was the right annoying level without, <laughs> okay. without annoying me every time he talked right sure, like sure. it was no, like oh that's that. a weird one. yeah but, I don't know. I thought his voice, like if you listen to Chris Pratt as Mario, if you listen to Jack Black or Seth Rogen, you'd be like, oh yeah, that's who that, like if you gave me like three guesses to who those were without knowing. Oh, you I'd could be just like, tell that, that they're just doing their own voice. Well, Seth Rogen did say in that interview, like I don't do voices. So this is just my voice. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. That was, that, that's what that he was told Seth me. Rogen, yeah. yeah. And so that was like immediately recognizable all of their voices keegan michael key you could have given me 20 guesses and i probably would not have come to that being him sure i don't even know his voice that well his real voice i think i saw i've seen him in like one or two things but yeah you're right he he changed his voice the most i would say mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. But he, I mean, I thought that he and, and Jack Black were maybe the ones that went for it the most in terms of like. Jack putting Black in, for sure yeah. went for it. Like you can tell that he just was having a blast doing the voice. And so that's why it comes through as like so committed, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And yeah. speaking of Jack Black's Bowser, we have to talk about the song. Oh, the song. <laughs> peaches. 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 <laughs> yeah. I don't know why he went to peaches instead of just saying peach, but. But I love peaches and now it's peaches forever. So. Yes. And yeah. it is, uh, it's, it's this, it, at first I was like, of course they're doing a song. They have Jack Black playing this character. So of course yeah. he's going to sing. But at first I was like, uh-oh, let's let, this is going to be embarrassing. And <laughs> upon hearing it for like the third time, I was like, okay, I kind of like it. It's, it's, like, <laughs> it goes on just long enough before Kamek interrupts him. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So any other scenes that you really loved? I think there's one glaring one that we're leaving out right now. Oh, I do have one. And you bring up Kamek at a, at a perfect time because I do love um, some of the interactions between Bowser and Kamek. <laughs> Kamek is like the perfect sort of like henchman character he even has sort of like the Igor or like you know kind of that kind of voice and tone which is great mm-hmm. and there's a great scene where Bowser is practicing his proposal um and Kamek is dressed oh, yeah. <laughs> like Princess Peach I think I I, I laughed for like 10 minutes I, I was laughing for a long time it was funny it was just like got big old glasses on but the wig and the dress you know and and he's got this great like real bad like pickup line like love really makes a guy come out of his shell and you're like oh face palm <laughs> you imagine like someone saying that to you and you're just like cringe on the inside but it's and perfect. i love that kamek was so in like the role play aspect of that that like when somebody came in to interrupt it it wasn't just bowser that got upset at them it was kamek that got upset as well like they <laughs> yeah. both turned like what <laughs> <laughs> like we're big <laughs> <laughs> and then like when bowser actually delivered that line to peach and he looks over at Kamek, I told you that line wouldn't work. And, and Kamek like, is like, you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> there were some like genuinely funny moments in the it movie. Really, it really was. Yeah, like, I, de- I definitely was. And I saw it twice. And I laughed a second time too. So I, I was I was laughing. I was laughing. I think I liked it the second time the most out of my three times seeing it. I think oh. I just picked up more. I knew what to expect. And I will say that the one that we're the glaring omission that we're we're leaving out here so far is that about halfway through the movie, it just turns into a Mario Kart movie for about twenty minutes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was I was like, how are they going to weave this in? Because we saw so much uh, Mario Kart reference in the trailers, mm-hmm. and I was always wondering, like, what is going on with these carts? Like, is it some sort of fan servicey little reference scene third 20 seconds of a cart but it's like a big part of the movie like a big part of the plot and it makes sense because they're like yeah we just got to get back there before bowser can and we're gonna yeah. take a shortcut through rainbow road and like that yeah. was such a smart way to implement that totally and i i really liked how they kind of have this lore that was built that like the cons are the ones that are like the cart experts like i never thought that would be a thing. Like, I, and you never know who's building the actual cars. You just like have the carts, you know what I mean? But like, they have a whole thing where it's like, oh, you know, they kind of set you up in the very beginning when they go to the jungle kingdom that like carts is like a big deal here. They're the ones that are engineering, the cons are the ones engineering these carts. Um, and that's why, you know, they, they sort of have that, that Mario Kart 
integration in, in, into all of it, but I loved it. I loved, they're like picking the, yes. um, their tires and bodies and just like you would do in the game and their faces is like my face when you pick a, you know, you pick your <laughs> card and you, she hits that like giant A button. You're like, okay, I get it. You know? It was awesome. I, I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> and then the lead up to that scene, like when they're trying to get to Cranky Kong and they're riding in the back of the, uh, the monkey's cart and oh that was God. so much fun. And the fact I that love that scene. That was so Man, much fun with Take On Me. Got that aha song going. Yes. And like, he's wearing like the 80s blazer with the, sh- the sleeves rolled up, <laughs> the, the white blazer with the sleeves rolled up. And you're like, what's happening? And he throws the banana peel and like the random guy just like, he's like, oh no. <laughs> totally and he scans it, it, it blows up. Like it wasn't just he like crashed. His cart blew up and he's probably dead now. He's probably dead. He's like he's like monkey goo now. But uh, yeah, it's <laughs> pretty funny. Goo. I love how he like drives off the end and they're just like, like what is happening? And then the glider comes in. You're yes. like, oh yeah, the glider. Yeah, the cart scenes were good. Like there's like the anti-grab, they get that in there as a, as a pretty key scene and they, get, they have the gliders, you know, uh, the blue shell. That was cool. I was like, I had audibly gasped. When that guy turned into a leader shell, I was like, "Oh, that's how they get the shells. That makes sense. It's like a, a it's like a, a Koopa, you know? Yeah, yeah that, that makes sense. You know, I never thought about it, but yeah. And uh, there's one part that I and we can transition into things that we didn't like mm, about okay. the movie. If there's anything that really sticks out to you that you didn't really care for, there were only two scenes that really seemed like they were kind of pumping the brakes. And but it, it I don't think it was long enough that it really felt like they were like slamming on the brakes to the point that like the momentum of the movie would would stop. One of those was like when they were eaten by the eel and oh. Mario and DK were just kind of like talking for a little bit. I was like, yeah. OK, this is getting a little slow. And also when they were descending into like the sewers initially, mm-hmm. like under Brooklyn before yeah. they found the pipe, I thought that scene went on just a little bit too long as well. Yeah, yeah. But the thing that like I I wish that we saw more of was I wanted to see Donkey Kong and Bowser fighting because like Donkey Kong is like this big physical presence and Bowser's is big physical presence. I know we mm-hmm. got a little bit of that at the end at there. The very end. Yeah. But it was mostly cut away to like Mario hiding out in the punch out pizza and then seeing right. the commercial. And then we cut back and Bowser has like Donkey Kong by the throat and it's like, Oh, I guess Bowser won. But like, it would have yeah. been cool to see a little bit of that play out. Yeah. Especially because you, you get the sense of how strong Donkey Kong is when mm-hmm. he's fighting Mario. He's just like, this big, you know, honking presence. You're right, totally. I, I, I would have loved to see more of that face-off. Um, the other thing that kind of bothered me a little bit was I was confused about Donkey Kong's age. Like, it really confused me because I thought he was an adult. But then, like, watching this movie, it was very much like he's like a teenager. Like, he's like a 17-year-old or something. Oh, really? Did they, like, ever specify that? I don't know. I just felt that that's what the character felt like. It was very much like a teenager, like a like a young, you know, a, a sort of a young adult, like a not a full grown person, uh, <laughs> monkey, Kong, whatever, um, seeking approval from his dad. Cranky Kong as, as mm-hmm. the dad, too, was weird for me. It's like, aren't you, like, real old to be... The death. I mean, it's like I couldn't wrap my head around the whole like calm family tree here. Um, yeah, yeah, that was a little weird. That was that that took me out a little bit because I was like, I don't understand how, like, how these characters would relate to each other. You know? Yeah, and it's 
it's interesting because Cranky Kong is definitely older than like a dad of a 17 year old would typically be if that's right. how old they tip they, they actually were going for with him. Yeah. And it's also interesting because like, you know, if the I think that the official Cranky Kong lore is that's the original Donkey Kong. Right. And, you know, then we get the the rare version of Donkey Kong, which has just persisted as like the canonical Donkey Kong ever since right. Donkey Kong Country. Right. And it's like, all right, well then like how does this fit in? Because Donkey Kong yeah. exists in the the in like the human world. Yeah. We, we saw Giuseppe, the guy playing Donkey Kong in there. And it's like right. okay. So it, 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 there's a lot it's of things that weird. are like, yeah. brain breaking there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, any anything else you didn't really care for in there? I feel like the cons were like my biggest like weird moment i also didn't really like cranky con i think that that was a weird character you know it it wasn't really what i expected of cranky con like he wasn't even that cranky he was just kind of like mean (laughs) or not mean but he was just sort of like brass i guess or do you remind do you maybe you're kind of a disney fan does he remind you of king louis from the jungle book and not really cranky yeah he does right wow i didn't even draw that that connection he's a king louis but not like a Cranky Kong. So I was like weirded out by that a little bit too. Yeah. I, but like, if you remember Cranky Kong's like persona in the entire like first Donkey Kong Country was just like him complaining about how video games are too graphically impressive nowadays. <laughs> and yeah. And he like hits him. He only hit him with a cane like one time. I'm like, you need to hit him with like a lot more times. <laughs> I, I will say that Cranky Kong and Luigi were both kind of like underserved in this movie. Like, yeah, Luigi mm. had some heroic moments later on and Cranky Kong was kind of like, you know, the king of the Kongs. Yeah. But like Luigi was just kind of hidden away for most of it. And he had some cool yeah. moments like throughout, like I loved like the dry bones sequence. Yeah. The shy guy sequence was pretty good. Oh, in that shy castle. Guys, yes. Shy guys are scary, man. They really I don't are. Meet one in the dark. That's not great. <laughs> um, yeah. I thought we were going to go ahead. I was going to say the other part, the other sort of character that I thought was just real bizarre was that Luma. That Luma was, <sighs> what's the deal? Like, are they trying to, is there some sort of like secret reference to, galaxy is a rosalina gonna show up in in the next one or whatever i don't know well they said like there's many galaxies in the universe so they like, do that... say that yeah and there's a luma mm-hmm. isn't it weird to you this is another this isn't something that i necessarily like didn't like but mario got a ton of power-ups in it the fire flower perhaps his most iconic power-up aside from the mushroom he didn't get what... that Peach got it. Donkey Kong got it. Mario came close to getting it in the Donkey Kong battle, but he never actually got it. Yeah, that is interesting. We never saw a, Mario in the iconic Fire Flower outfit. It's just a weird thing all yeah. around with that, uh, but not necessarily mm. something I didn't like. Just something I, an observation I made over the course of yeah. my, jeez, four Maybe and a half hours swings. seeing this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I spent four and a half hours with this I've movie now. Seeing this movie, you probably yeah. see it again. I'll see it again. One. I think it comes to Peacock in like 45 days, I think, after. Oh, gosh, Peacock is the service? Ugh. Yeah, well, yeah, remember, NBC Universal is the company. Fine. It's a little unfortunate, <laughs> but whatever. Yeah, I'm sure you'll be able to buy it digitally if you yeah, just want to watch it on Amazon. Cut. We need a director's oh, cut. Oh, man. Yeah, well, I mean, we're, there's already so much. Like, that was what uh, Shigeru Miyamoto told me was like, yeah, we were originally thinking like, oh, maybe we create an all new character or something for this. But then we like, we're like, no, no, let's start with Mario stuff. Oh, my God. Thank God they didn't do that. Can you imagine how weird that would have been? It would have been. I, I, I hope they don't do it for like the first three movies. Like, Well, you know there's another movie coming. Should we talk about the end credit stuff? Yes. So that, that's okay. what I wanted to get to to wrap up our conversation here is where does the series 
go from here because we saw two end credit scenes one being mm -hmm. bowser singing peaches again but then it's like it turns out he's just in like the little cage Tiny and toad's cage. like hey shut up and then <laughs> the, he's the, gonna, like this is a very dicey situation because the the, the what they set up in the movies is if you get hit you lose the power up mm -hmm. so like could he just body slam himself into the sides of this cage to like quote unquote get hit and then become big Bowser and just like wreak havoc again. Like this is a dicey situation to keep him in the tiny cage. Don't you think? Here's what I think is going to happen. They've already established they have spies within the Mushroom Kingdom because remember Kamek and he keeps coming up and like, hey, like our our person is saying. Yeah, Kamek is, is not caught. Mm -mm. He's going to break him out of jail. So I think there's going to be an undercover toad or something like that that's going to oh. set him free. And then we're going to get bowser on the loose again bowser's gonna be on the loose of course yeah so i mean i don't think we're gonna get like wart or anything like that <laughs> we haven't even seen bowser jr we yeah. haven't seen any of that stuff there's like a lot of blatant character omissions obviously there is sort of the the in the on the enemy side like bowser jr like other bowser ish or other enemies but then we do see like the end end credit scene with a Yoshi egg about to yes. hatch. Yes. There's also a Yoshi egg at the wedding mm -hmm. on the gift table, uh, unhatched. You Honestly, I thought, I thought they were going to do that where like Yoshi would hatch to save the day. Like oh, I thought that's cute. what they were going to go, but no, they they, they saved that. That would have been great. Yeah, they, they're going to save it for... You do see a scene too where like just the wild Yoshis are running around. Um, like you see like a little like colorful, like, you know, the pink Yoshis or whatever. Yeah. But you don't see like the Yoshi, like the one that Mario rides. Which I, I thought was surprising because I, I thought they were just going to save any references to Yoshi being in like a sequel. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure where they were going to go with it. But Yoshi's such an important, you know, sort of evolution of Mario that I'm, I'm sure they're going to, they have a bigger plan for Yoshi, which is probably why they put that in the end credit scene. If I don't see a baby Yoshi, I will literally riot. So <laughs> like, where is the baby Yoshi? Make like a million merch things with baby Yoshi. This could be the baby Yoda of Nintendo. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like Can baby Yoshi is so- how cute that would be? But the sound they made or the sound that Yoshi made was adult Yoshi. If that Yo Yoshi egg does not hatch a baby Yoshi, I literally will riot. <laughs> over nintendo listen up <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i i think that the the end credit scene set up some cool stuff yeah and uh, did you catch that it's another very weird reference that exists they reference the koopalings very briefly yes i was looking very closely at that that scene with the with the um rock music like the the you know he's looking at the army i was like are the koopalings in there is is there a thing? But I didn't see any Koopalings. So yeah, I I feel like that's another one that's a a big sort of enemy kind of upgrade for Bowser to get more more power or something. I don't know. Well, the the piano is the brand is Ludwig von Ludwig Koopa. Ludwig von Koopa. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like the only reference that I caught to the Koopalings, which mm. surprised me because I'm assuming they're yeah. going to bring them in at some point. What, yeah, what do you think to. comes in first? Do you think it's the Koopalings, Bowser Jr., or Wario and Waluigi? Oh. Oh, man. I have I forgot about those two, Waluigi and Wario. That's an interesting, that's an interesting idea. I think the I think Bowser Jr. or the Koopalings is probably going to be next because they're going to need to establish some way of Bowser to be loose again. Mm -hmm. And some motivation for him to 
you know, get his power back or become the enemy again. It'd also be cool, like, if one of these movies, I'm sure there's many, many planned, um, if one of these movies, Bowser, like, joins up with them, you know, because sometimes, like, we have, like, those uh, Mario RPG games where Bowser is, like, part of the team. Yeah. To fight, like, an even, even bigger enemy. Like, I, I feel like that would be cool, too. Like, they got to put their differences aside and, like, join together. Well, we already kind of got cool. that with Donkey Kong joining Mario. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I think it would be really fun to see, like, that kind of, you know, push and pull. I'm sure there'll be – it would be really funny moments of them, like, fighting and, and trying to get along while they, while they do this. So I, I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully that's in the works, too. Now, what do you think we get first, a Mario 2 or do you think we get a Donkey Kong movie? Oh, like a dedicated Donkey Kong spinoff. I think I think a Mario too, because Donkey Kong's in this movie now. Mm-hmm. Like they've set up the canon for these movies to include all these different characters. So I feel like it's going to be like a almost like a direct sequel to this movie. I would think so as well. But Seth yeah. Rogen's already out there talking about how he would love to like star in a Donkey Kong movie. They had Very one. <laughs> they had cameos from other Kong family, like they had Diddy and Dixie Kong. Oh yeah, I saw that. Diddy Kong is so cute. I wish we got more of Diddy Kong. I know. That's why I think that they might be going in that direction because we yeah. got Diddy and Dixie Kong for like a total of like three seconds on three screen. seconds. Yeah, yeah, totally. I maybe mean, maybe there's a way to just have that be a bigger part of the next movie. I mean, it was a pretty big part of this movie too. Like we spent a lot of time in the Jungle Kingdom. We spent mm-hmm. a lot of time with the Kongs. Um, but I can see that, you know, being a bigger through like a plot line. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, it would be weird to not expand on that more because there's so much lore and like universe yeah. they can explore in that. Totally, totally agreed. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty clear that they're just going to keep making these movies. <laughs> like how many minion movies do we have? Four, <laughs> five? I mean, is the, I don't even know what it's like if you're including Despicable Me and then there's like a prequel yeah. to Despicable Me. And- like I can see that kind of branching off into these different sort of things, you know, like the Mario movie universe can be like a secondary minion type universe that they do. And yeah, I think that's very likely. I mean, both, I guess all three of these companies, Illumination, Nintendo and Universal, they're sitting on a gold mine with these Nintendo properties. I think that this yeah. movie is going to do very well. It's kind of a weird weekend given the the holiday Mm-hmm. But like that's why it came out on a Wednesday instead of a, a Friday. Yeah, they changed the date like halfway through. Remember that? That was funny. Yeah. They were like, "Oh yeah, Easter's that Easter. Sunday." <laughs> <laughs> but I think that the the movie's going to do very well. I'd be yeah. very surprised if this is not like a big hit for Universal. And oh yeah. I think it's going to kickstart a, a whole universe. I think so too. I think they're well positioned. I think this movie's going to you know, make them a ton of money. <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm excited. Bring it. You know, let's see this universe that you're building. Hopefully they, they stick to being, you know, really high quality, joyful um, representations of characters and, and games that we love. And I can't wait to see more. Absolutely. And it's nice that movies are finally being made by people who were fans of this growing up. Yeah. And the directors, I think, said it best in my interview that people heard earlier in the show where... People back in the early days of video game adaptations, they understood that games were popular, but they didn't understand why the games were popular. So uh, it's great that we now have people with that understanding making these things. We see it in The Last of Us. We see it in the Sonic movies. We see it in this movie, I think, really well. And I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. So any other thoughts on this movie before we wrap up here, Krista? 
I'm going to see it a third time with oh. some other friends this weekend. So Rivaling let's, see me. I, <laughs> let's see if I catch any other references, but uh, I'm not sick of it yet. So <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is like, I left it the third time thinking like, okay, I can go a few months without seeing this movie again. Yeah. But I wasn't like, oh my God, please get me out of this theater. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone should go see it though. It's so, but- it's very good. People can go to your podcast feed, the Kit and Krista podcast, and listen to your full review as well. Yes. Uh, you and Kit had a uh, dedicated episode to it. Yeah. And you can also go to GameInformer.com to read my written review of the movie. And uh, Krista, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to be on. And thank you so much to everyone for listening. Do me a favor, if you haven't already, throw All Things Nintendo a five-star review and hit that subscribe button. And if you want to get any questions or comments in, you can get in touch with me at allthingsnintendo at gameinformer.com or hit me up on Instagram at Brian P. Shea. And of course, you can always join the Game Informer Community Discord, which is a perk for subscribing to our Twitch channel, even just for one month. Krista, get your plugs in. Where can people find you on social media and how can they support the Kit and Krista podcast? Yeah, you can find us at youtube.com slash Kit and Krista. We are also fully Patreon funded, so find us at patreon.com slash Kit and Krista. Support us. We tell lots of insider stories every week from our time at Nintendo. And yeah, it's been great. That's our show for this week. Thank you again for listening. Take care. We will see you next time.